You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ, 89.5 FM. They were amateur explorers and mountain climbers, and they decided to set off in search of this undiscovered mountain, and they called it Mystery Mountain. So we're following in their footsteps, recreating that journey. We all had these dreamy ideas and visions, and then reality comes in. I've never seen terrain like this. This is insane. The mosquitoes were so bad, I've never seen anything like it in my life, anywhere. So miserable carrying that pack. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also listen to at CortezCurrents.ca. On Sunday, November 7th, Brian Thompson and Susanna Ovreskovic will be bringing the Mystery Mountain Project to Manson's Hall on Cortez Island. This is both a film and a book about the 2018 Canadian Explorations Heritage Society Trek to Butte Inlet, following in the footsteps of Don and Phyllis Munday's 1926 expedition to scale Mount Waddington. There are several Cortez Island connections. Local historian Judith Williams met the expedition on Quadra Island. They sailed to Butte Inlet with local tourism operator Mike Moore on board the Misty Isles, and the documentary opens with multiple views of Cortez Island's best-known schooner. There are only five stops in the book and film tour of Western Canada, which starts at the BC Museum in Victoria and also includes North Vancouver, Squamish, and a virtual event in Comox. The Manson's Hall screening is brought to us by the Cortez Island Museum and Archives. Oreskovic explained, The story is, Don and Phyllis Monday were this powerhouse climbing couple. They climbed together for decades, and they mapped out and climbed much of the Waddington Range, which was really unmapped territory at the time. So they were hiking on Vancouver Island in 1925, and they spotted in the distance this peak that they had never seen before because the clouds had parted ways. And they kind of said, oh, we need to go find that peak. They named it Mystery Peak or Mystery Mountain. And so the following year, 1926, was their first expedition to try to discover where this Mystery Mountain was. And so they had a kind of trajectory and they kind of went up through Butte Inlet and then the Homatka River Valley. And that was the attempt that we were recreating the 1926 expedition to go and reach Mount Waddington. And so we planned our entire expedition mirroring their 1926. Of course, they went in year after year over a decade. So they've mapped out the entire range, not only in that one trip, of course, but over the course of the decade going in different valleys and and, in different ways. So we focused on 1926, which was their first trip in. And we dressed up like the Mondays. We had food and gear like the Mondays. It was a five-week trip. And we had people representing the same number of people as their team. So there was six on their team, Don and Phyllis Monday. And then they also had their friends, Bert Monday, which was the brother of Don, Johnny Johnston, which is a good friend, Thomas Ingram, and who else was there? Uh, Ethel Ager. Yeah, Ethel Ager. So that was the team that we were representing. So that was like five men and one woman. And to recreate and see if we could accomplish as much as they had accomplished. So that's the basis of what we started with. And then when I come in later, is like, well, because I'm the woman on the team, and I thought it was really interesting 
because in the 1920s, women had such a different perspective and role than they do today. Like the societal expectations are very different. Yet, I wondered how could this woman be so accomplished as a mountaineer in the 1920s when they couldn't even have bank accounts, they weren't allowed to work outside of marriage. They weren't even considered legal persons until 19, I think it was 28 or 29 or something like that. So she was such an accomplished mountaineer and yet they had such restrictions and there was this big dichotomy and I couldn't understand it. And so I was like, yeah, let me focus on Phyllis Monday because that's the role I'm representing, of course. And being the only woman on the team, I thought it was a very unique perspective as well. So I wanted to kind of tell the story of Phyllis Monday and me and how I related to her on the expedition, also telling the story of the expedition, of course, of everything that happened. And when I started researching it, I thought it was so interesting. There was a study or a survey done, I think it was in Europe, that 6% of all mountain or climbing related stories and books and people who had authored it were women. So that means 94% of stories authored of mountain adventures and stories were men. I was like, wow, well, that's kind of weird because in Alpine Club of Canada and all other outdoor climbing clubs, they're pretty much equal and they've always been fairly equal. Even if you go back to the history of the Alpine Club of Canada, their founding members, they weren't 50-50, but they were pretty darn close in membership ranks between men and women. So I just focused on that. I thought it was so interesting that even though there was equal ranks, women weren't always considered as good climbers, let's just say. And Phyllis was not actually absolved of that discrimination, I would say. We think Phyllis Monday was such a, well, she was a great and accomplished climber, and she did such an amazing climbing resume because she climbed with Dawn Monday most of her life. The times where there were other men involved, as I read in some of the biographies written by the other historians, she did encounter like, oh, there's a woman coming on this trip, hmm, you know. But once they saw that she was capable, they kind of gave her that space. So they didn't kind of just assume, oh yeah, this is Phyllis Monday, she can come on our trip and climb with us. She didn't encounter a lot of raised eyebrows, let's say, um, if she showed up on a, on a climbing trip. This was the second historical reenactment film made by the Alpine Club of Canada. The first celebrated the centennial anniversary of Conrad Kane's 1916 ascent of the Bugaboo Spire in British Columbia's Purcell Mountain Range. What we want to do is educate Canadians about intrepid explorers who went exploring this nation back in the day and the pristine wilderness areas that they went exploring. Said Brian Thompson, who represented Don's brother, Bert Monday, in the reenactment of the 1926 expedition to Mount Waddington. These are people and places that most Canadians know nothing about that we believe are integral parts of our history. So we wanted to bring to light the story of the exploration of the Waddington Range by Don and Phyllis Munday and the contribution that the Mondays made to geography in Canada and mountaineering in Canada and cartography in Canada. And so we decided we would do this by trying to do the exact same thing they did in exactly the same way, because we want to inspire Canadians to get out into the outdoors and the beautiful wilderness places in this country. And 
we'd like to do that by recreating what the old timers did back in the day and make a documentary film of it and do still photography to document it and really documented it in any way we can. So the first thing that came was the expedition. Then we got a filmmaker who was Greg Granston, who was very willing to come along with us and document it. And Susanna also uh, photographed the expedition using a 1921 Kodak uh, film camera, very similar to what Phyllis Munday herself used. And so our film, our photographs, and now Susanna has written a book on the expedition. All of these media formats we take on tour across the country to get the Monday story out there. So we go to museums and uh, outdoor organizations, historical societies, anyone who will take us, rotary clubs across the country. And we show the film and we do a Q&A and we uh, get the story out there in any way that we can. We enter the films in film festivals, not just in Canada, but around the world. How important is what the mon uh, are the Mondays in terms of mountaineering? You know, it's funny. If you talk to a lot of modern climbers in Canada today, there are many of them who have never heard of the Mondays. But a lot of the older generation of climbers will say, oh, the Mondays, yeah, they were pioneers in mountaineering. I mean, Phyllis Monday was the first woman to ascend Mount Robson which she did in 1924. They made a huge contribution. They were members of the Alpine Club of Canada, Vancouver section, and the British Columbia Mountaineering Club. They actually met through membership in the British Columbia Mountaineering Club. And they explored a lot of the coast range and they did a lot of climbing in the Rockies as well. And they put up a lot of first ascents but it was their contribution through their exploration of the Waddington Range that was the, the largest. In fact, the National Geographical Survey rewarded them for their efforts by naming one of the mountains right next to Mount Waddington. They named it Mount Monday. They named it after them. And what's interesting is they're probably the only people in history to get the first ascent of a mountain that was named after them it had already been named after them, and then they were the first ones to climb it. Susanna, yeah. what inspired you? I mean, we've already got a movie. Why did you have to write that book? Well, it's interesting. I didn't start the expedition intending to write a book. Um, I joined the expedition basically because, well, I enjoy mountaineering. You know, the Alpine Club of Canada has been a big part of my life. And when Brian came to me with this expedition, I was really intrigued with the history of it. Um, like Brian said, I didn't really know who the Mondays were, um, but the fascination with the history w was a draw to me that it was this experience of an expedition that doesn't come out our way very often. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll join it on the condition that I could be the photographer. So it was really, I wanted the, the, the experience of the expedition, knowing that this experience was going to be funneled into some kind of artistic expression, which I thought was going to be beautiful photographs on top of a mountain. <laughs> um, so, and, and then the idea formed into taking photographs with a 1921 camera using film photography, just like Phyllis had done. So I was really going into the whole role, 
complete. You know, gear, outfit, camera, the whole nine yards. And so, well, the expedition turned out the way it turned out. We had um, lots of challenges. Uh, it's very challenging taking photographs inside uh, forest canopy all the time. And when I came out of the expedition um, with photographs that, well, I didn't think I had enough photographs to kind of present as a, as a, a portfolio, I said, what else can I do with this experience that I had just lived through? And mind you, when we came out of the expedition, we weren't, you know, coming out on high horses because, you know, we had, I don't want to give the, the whole thing away, but we had gone through a number of challenges. Um, we didn't reach all our goals. So we were feeling a little dejected at the time and I needed to kind of find some kind of expression. So I said, started writing the stories down and writing, you know, snippets and things. And it really wasn't until like a few months after that I decided, yes, I will write the book and I will incorporate some of the photographs in the book. So in the book, you will actually see um, a variety of photographs. Some of the Monday's archive photographs are in there. Uh, some of my film photographs from the 1921 camera in there and, and other ones that I had also used with a digital camera. So I've got a range of different photographs which tell the story as it goes along. And it's really, it's a narrative of, of the story. So um, it, it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I learned a lot about how I felt about the expedition because it also helped me process all the feelings of what had happened in the expedition, things that I had doubts and feelings about that I was like I was actually shocked at myself like why am I feeling uh, you know so doubtful or fearful and I didn't understand it um, and so it helped me process these feelings as well because um, I, I couldn't believe that I was behaving in, in certain ways where usually I take the lead on things and in this case I really wasn't and I didn't understand why and I did have to process it because that entire year was a bit tumultuous for me uh, on a personal level as well um, my father was diagnosed with cancer and I was dealing with uh, his illness just before the expedition. He actually passed away like mere weeks before the expedition was about to start. And I wasn't even sure that we were at, that I could even go because I didn't know what was going to happen. He was in the hospital. Was he going to die? Am I going to go? So it was, I was leading into the expedition with all these crazy feelings of, you know, what's happening in my personal life. And then what I had to live up to on the expedition because Phyllis Monday was such a huge legendary figure and I'm supposed to be representing this, you know, legend of Phyllis Monday and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. So there's a lot of feelings that came through it. So the book was perfect and I've always wanted to sit down and write something. And so this was my opportunity to kind of distill everything and I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out. The feedback I've gotten has been pretty good. And so that's why I did it. Yeah. So Brian, what kind of challenges did you face on this project? We would have different answers for that because as yeah. the expedition leader, there were particular challenges that I had to face that were quite different. But in my having to deal with those challenges led to some of the challenges for everyone else on the expedition. Uh, so when... When you're, when you're putting together a recreation expedition of this nature, first of all, it's, it's actually not something that's ever been done in Canada before until we did it in 2016 and then again in 2018. So it's a whole new thing. How do you put all this together? There's a lot of research involved. 
first of all, then, you know, you've got to find out what did they use uh, to wear and what mountaineering equipment did they have. You can't get any of this stuff today. You have to have it made. The Mondays made a lot of their own things, so we had to get ours made. But the most challenging exp- uh, part of the expedition for me was getting members to do it. <laughs> most <laughs> most modern climbers don't want to go into uh, the wilderness without their Gore-Tex and without their lightweight ergonomic backpacks and without their modern climbing rope, which is stretchy and and you know, all these wonderful safety features that protect you. Um, I'm asking them to go in with heavy hobnailed boots on their feet and wool clothing. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of suffering, no bug spray. Uh, You know, a lot of the modern amenities that we take for granted today, I'm asking them to leave behind. So finding people to do it is a challenge. And that took a long time. So we didn't actually have our whole crew until the end of January prior to the expedition. Well, you can't get funding until you have your whole crew and you can present to potential sponsors. um, This is the expedition. These are the crew members. uh, This is their bios and their experience. Then we didn't get our funding all in until May. And you think we're going in July. That doesn't leave us very much time to make our own tents out of and find sailcloth to make tents out of and make the tents, make the sleeping bags, make the pack frames. So everything was pretty rushed. These are all people who have jobs and so they're doing this in, as volunteers in their own time. In fact, they have to pay quite a bit out of pocket to go on the expedition and suffer it out for a month in, or more in the wilderness in this manner. So. Everything was sort of thrown together rather hastily uh, to be able to get out into the expedition itself. And then on the expedition, the challenges I faced were uh, bringing a bunch of people who didn't have a real chance because of the timing to train and practice it together with gear that we hadn't had a chance to test out beforehand really effectively. And so uh, dealing with the uh, challenges of gear failures and uh, team dynamics for me as the expedition leader, those were the main challenges that I had to face. Susanna, what would you say? Of course, this led to a lot of the challenges that you face as well, right? Well, I mean, I was very flexible with the challenges as you probably knew, I mean, I, I think I kept a very kind of positive attitude throughout, um, just like Phyllis did, as Brian told me. <laughs> so that was really nice. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I trusted the guys. I said, okay, you guys are taking care of the food and you know the logistics, and I'm there to kind of do my part as Phyllis Monday and carry heavy loads. Because that's what Brian says, you got to be carrying heavy loads. So yes, there was physical challenges of carrying heavy loads, which didn't scare me at all. Um, I had trained for it. I had prepared for it. It's like, it's just a physical challenge. So to me, when people talk about this expedition, they're always focusing on the physical challenge. Oh my God, that was so heavy. Oh, that was so hard. Oh, the mosquitoes are so bad. But honest to goodness, that was the least challenging thing of the expedition for me. The physical demands and which they were very real physical demands. I mean, not only the mosquitoes, but the bruises and the, 
and the, the blisters, and, and I don't think anyone had any cuts or anything, but thank goodness. Um, physical challenges aside, which to me were not the main challenges. They were there, we accepted them, and we just did them. I focus more on the internal struggles that, and this is part of what the book is, is a lot of it is about, the woman's perspective, because um, there's a lot of physical, not physical, sorry, I mean um, internal mental challenges. It, you need to build a certain mental resilience. And the woman's perspective in particular is that self-doubt that always comes in. And in doing some research, reading other biographies of women, elite mountaineering women who had climbed Everest and K2. And, and so I'd read a number of the, their stories. And that theme is constantly and always present is that self-doubt. These are elite mountaineers and they have self-doubt about climbing the mountain. And I had much self-doubt about even, you know, accomplishing the expedition. And there was one scene in the movie where you see Brian and me and I'm, I'm in a complete breakdown with, you know, tears and, and saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, you know, Brian very calmly says, well, of course you can. You're doing it. You're here. We're not slowing anybody down. And that was a pivotal moment for me because... I'm, I'm doubting myself even in the fact that I'm doing it, even though I am keeping up with the guys, caring as much as the guys, and I'm doubting myself. And, you know, when you, when you listen to it objectively, it sounds ridiculous, but it was there. And it's a very real thing. And in processing and understanding um, those feelings is, well, why, why would women who are capable and competent and strong, I'm not talking about myself, but all other mountaineering women, why are these women feeling this self-doubt about themselves? And I couldn't understand it. And, and then I started thinking about, well, what are, our women, what are women's expect, expectations on women? What are the expectations women have, you know, um, from society's point of view? And we internalize these things like, oh, I'm not strong enough. Oh, I'm not capable. Oh, I have to be as strong as the guy. But you know what? None of that matters if you just kind of be yourself and do your best. And that's where I came down. And the next morning I woke up and I said, you know what? I've got enough food. I've got tents. I've got a group of guys that, you know, we're here to support each other. There is nothing stopping me from going on except the mental um, uh, doubts in my mind, the fear that's in there. And that comes from not what's happening now. I'm capable. Let's keep going. Rather, the fear comes from what if, what's going to happen, can I do it? And so it's kind of this internal struggling that I had to deal with. That was the biggest challenge for me for a variety of reasons. Not only like, you know, my body is strong enough, I'm capable. That's not the issue. It's, it's what have I been told year after year as I was growing up as a child, growing up and, and coming of age as a woman? What have I been told? Have I internalized it? And I did, and I have, and that's something that we have to kind of work on. And that's the message I have in the book, is that women, you are capable, you are strong, you are stronger than you believe you are, and you should just just go and try something, just go and do something, and you will see. Don't have those fears and doubts hold you back. That is my main message. One, one thing that Susanna really shows very well in the book uh, after reading it, I was kind of chuckling to myself because she really compares how us guys were processing things. We were not even aware 
of how we were processing things. We're just all this internal struggle. We're not. It doesn't come to the surface for us, and so we're concerned about how to pack the backpack and how, where direction to take and and how to make this next meal or how to deal with this bear. And when we have the internal struggles, all we tend to do is just, we don't really process it. We're not really aware of the struggle that we have inside us. And so we just get snippety with each other. Uh, and, and, and Susanna really shows a clear just, juxtaposition of here's these guys trying to process this stuff and, and here's her tr processing in, in her way. And she was able to recognize a lot of the internal stuff that was going on in us that we ourselves didn't recognize on the expedition. I, in fact, some of them I didn't even recognize until I read Susanna's book. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I, I wanted to kind of squeeze in somewhere the cover of my book, uh, which is here, and, and the significance of the red scarf, which I thought was in, in, interesting, right? Um, it, it figures prominently on the book, but it's also, if you notice in the film, I'm wearing a red scarf. And I'm going to be wearing a red scarf on the tour. Everyone's going to say, well, what's with the red scarf, right? Um, because women in the 20s, it was, it was a feature of what they wore. So because of the, the famous midi blouse, and they always had this scarf on. If you look at Phyllis Munday's photographs, she always has this scarf around her. And of all the, the guys and I, like we all had, like they had cotton bandanas, but I had a silk scarf. And for me, it really represents the feminine perspective because, you know, silk and a scarf is very feminine. It's about Phyllis Monday. Um, so that's why I feature it on the front of the book. And also red is a very powerful color. It's a very passionate color. So it kind of all ties in to really speak from the, the, the female perspective. And, and because that's what I wore and that's what Phyllis wore. So it really ties it, ties it really nicely in. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of throw that in, a little tidbit of something in there. I thought it was kind of cute. And I, I would love to let your audience know that we are going back. This is a spoiler, but we actually didn't get to climb the mountain on the expedition. Neither did the Mondays on their 1926 expedition. The Hamathco Valley really slowed them down and they got close to the mountain, but they didn't get onto the mountain. And so that's a, a, one of the reasons they went back. So in July of 2022, we have a team of three reenactors who are going to be representing Don and Phyllis Monday and Bert Monday because in 1928, the three of them summited the Northwest summit of Mount Waddington via a different route. We're going to kind of combine the 1926 route with the 1928 route and make our attempt in July of 2022. So there's another film coming and who knows, maybe another book. You've been listening to an interview with Brian Thompson and Susanna Oreskovic, who will bring Don and Phyllis Monday's 1926 expedition to scale Mount Waddington to Manson's Hall at 1 p.m. on Sunday, November 7th. You'll have an opportunity to talk to them, watch the documentary film The Mystery Mountain Project, and buy Susanna's book, Expedition to the Mystery Mountain. I'm like, oh my god, what, what is that? The maze of death. The quickest way out was to continue forward. You know, food was an issue already. Things were rotting already. And you could see the whole range set out like a fruit bowl up in the mountains. All I could be thinking while I was looking at it was, that is 
awfully far away. We have to get all the way there. 